care for all Rose can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. Uh, I'm Kate Willett. I'm Julia Clare. And we are broadcasting to you uh, from our new hell world that we live in. Um, week, <laughs> Julia, week two. I mean, for some people, I think going on like week three at this point, yeah. I, it kind of depends on where you live, you know, how, uh, how, uh, what your job situation was, whether you needed to be out to make money or care about, you know, your fellow human. Some folks are still out making money. Uh, Man, our poor uh, delivery drivers and a grocery store employees. And, you know, I saw you making this point, I think, on Twitter, Julia, which is just like, you know, uh, working class jobs. It's uh, it's it's never been more clear that they are essential. Yeah. Yeah. The entire I mean, and it's also it's also never been more clear how um, absurd like C-suite level pay compared to working class pay. Like the, the disparity between those two, it's never been more clear how absurd that is. Um, because these are obviously when you think of like who is essential to our, <laughs> to our day-to-day lives. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's grocery store, uh, clerks. It's, uh, people who work in laundromats, it's teachers, teachers it's absolutely fucking teachers always but i don't know um i'm i'm trying to be to make the best of it it's hard it's like um yeah it's it's a lot yesterday it rained all day and i wanted to die (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because oh to me actually the rain made it easier because the rain was like oh i'm it was like kind of easier for me psychologically to pretend like oh the reason i'm inside is because it's raining i saw some people you know? making that but some people were like oh it's just like a cozy day and it makes sense that i'm inside i i understand that logic i just like m- the the one solace i've had the one respite from uh from this nightmare that i've had has been like long walks outside and uh, I was not able to do that yesterday. I'm also not going to be able to do that for the next few days because it's going to keep raining. Uh, and yesterday was like pretty torrential. It was not sprinkling. I would have gone out if it had been. But um, yeah, it's it's really it's really very uh, like on a on a personal note. It's very uh, kind of anxiety producing for me as someone who is like you know, in recovery from an eating disorder and like has a lot of kind of anxiety wound up in that. So I've been like trying to check in on the other people I know who are, who have, uh, who are similarly afflicted and, uh, just try, had a, had a nice call with my therapist today. Uh, and by nice, I mean, I just complained about that for an hour. (laughs) that's really stressful and and if you don't mind me asking is it's because the the food options are so much more like limited and you're like really out of your routine yeah and also just like the like not being able to move as much in general yeah um i know a lot of people have been uh been really 
killing it with their their home workouts as I've seen on Instagram but uh but I don't have like I really don't have any equipment or anything like that so um yeah I know like I'm you know I'm depressed I mean like normally like I have depression yeah and like I'm finding like for my own mental state um it you know it, the the isolation does at times feel uh unmanageable i am i am quarantined uh with a boy which which does help a little bit um but you know i, I still like find that a lot of the the mental health tools that i've used to survive like kind of forcing myself to go out and be with people usually when i'm kind of like sliding down the scale into a depressive period like it's so hard to not have that right now you know, I know it It really is. I was um, I was on a, a FaceTime call with my friend, a uh, very funny comedian, J.P. McDade uh, yesterday. And I was like, J.P., I would literally I would murder right now to hug one of my friends. <laughs> Just I am. Oh, it's really hard. It's and I like I live with I, I said this last week that I'm like so fortunate that I get along great with my roommates and I really like both of them. Um and we've been able to like communicate well with one another and I think like make the best of this dog shit situation. Um but it's still it's really hard. It's just really hard to not have like real contact with people. Um, in the way that we do in our normal lives. And I hope that we're able to like, I hope that this doesn't kind of leave any lasting imprint on, on all of us. So that like, I just feel like it's going to, there's going to be some weird transition period where we're like after, even after all this is over, where we're like afraid to hug each other and like afraid to be physically close to one another. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid of that too. And I'm afraid that people are going to like, you know, just be kind of the the default is just going to be like people staying home. You know that like people aren't going to want to go to music shows or parties or comedy shows, which is relevant to to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just you know I think about like how much our culture would you know it's it we're already so atomized that it would be I think a real tragedy um, if people were even less connected to each other than they are now. But, you know, I could also see the opposite happening where people are like so grateful to be out of quarantine that, you know, people are going out and hugging and, you know, logging off because they have uh, already had to smoke the entire pack of Twitter. You yeah, know? absolutely. With the filters off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm fucking man. After all this is over. Who boy. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, gonna go. I'm thinking about like people like so. Okay, so I'm I'm uh I'm holed up at least for the moment in my apartment with a guy that I started dating right before this, and is someone I I knew from real life for a second. So it wasn't like you know it wasn't like uh I just met someone on Tinder. There was like a at least you know at least I I know this person to not be a murderer level of trust mm -hmm. at the beginning. Uh, but it is very strange to be like, like getting to know someone in this situation, you know, like normally the things that happen, um, in a new, uh, relationship are like, you know, you're like sitting around like asking 
questions about each other's families and whatnot and you don't get to the point where you know like you're dealing with stuff like uh people having you know food poisoning or whatever until like way down the line you know when there's like traveling and shit like that um but it's just being in a super small space with someone is like you know and a lot of people i'm sure are in this situation but you know it's like it's like intense but i think it's also i I don't know it also just seems like a lot harder to like be completely by myself because both my roommates are gone now so uh this is this is dating for me uh at this point (laughs) can i ask how did that even come like how did that come about was he just like at your house when when they when they gave the order that everyone should quarantine like self-isolate and you guys were just like oh i guess he's gonna stay here um no it was so i was in seattle uh doing kind of my last comedy shows i don't think i realized till i was in seattle that we were gonna be all kind of hold up for potentially months you know um and uh when i came home from seattle it was really looking like new york was gonna have a shelter in place order and um one of my roommates was you know leaving and the other one was moving out and stuff so it was just like uh yeah yeah i don't know it was just it was just kind of a quick conversation of like do you want to do you want to hole up together or apart you know because it was it's like you can't really i mean at least if you're being responsible you're you're not really supposed to kind of like go out and go to each other's houses and stuff and you know it's just yeah i don't know i mean it's so um I don't think there was really any conflict about it either because, you know, it's just, it's so boring to be by yourself all oh, day. totally. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> you know? I don't know, like, I have a few friends who live alone and I don't know how they're, I, I, I don't know how they're coping. I just don't. Like, I, well, I know that they're, a lot of them are really struggling right now and it's really hard. Um, but, yeah, I, uh. Oh, I've, I've been trying to keep myself busy. Um, I've been, um, as I said last week, I think obsessively studying French, uh, listening to music, uh, phone banking for Senator Ed Markey. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I should do some of that. He simply must not lose his seat. He simply cannot lose. If any, if any of you, uh, are, are interested in, in phone banking or, or virtually helping with uh, r- get our boy reelected so he doesn't get primaried from the right by Joe Kennedy the third. <laughs> we'll really appreciate your help. Um, it's kind of, I, I've been looking to plug into more. Uh, I, I'm also, uh, as I mentioned, both of them before been involved with uh, locally here in New York, in uh, New York city. I've been involved with the, uh, Jabari Brisport and Ferris Dufran campaigns. Uh, there's still a lot of there's still a lot of campaigns that are doing work right now remotely, um, despite the obvious limitations. Um, a lot of places are doing mail-in signatures, like uh, since you can't go out and collect signatures. Um, so yeah, I would if if any of you are interested, I would really encourage you to uh, like look into any campaigns that you would care about and uh and use your muscle if you if you have the time um but also 
I don't know. I think I need to like, I've been on Twitter even more than like, cause Twitter's kind of like the only thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to log off starting, yeah. you know, this week or last week after the primary kind of, you know, was going to wind down, which I, I wasn't hoping for, but I was anticipating, you know, I was looking uh, forward to spending a little bit less time online and uh, that is certainly not happening. No, not at all. But what about, do you have any any recommendations? We used to do that. We should we should re up our recommendation section. Uh, oh yeah, no, we should absolutely re up our recommendations uh, section. Um, you know, okay, this is like such a hippie recommendation, but uh, like one thing that's kind of gotten me through um, some dark times in the past is like the book The Artist's Way, which is like it's kind of all these different like 12 weeks of different exercises um that you can do to um you know sort of like get more in touch with your creativity and i was thinking about doing that again um maybe even with some friends online i mean a, I, a lot of the books that i like to read are like political and stuff and i don't know i actually don't know if i want to read more about how bad the world is yeah. right now um I, and, and maybe that i don't i'll say i'll say emphatically that i don't um i think that i'm I think by nature of like my interests anyways, and like what I do on a day-to-day basis, I am enmeshed in that enough. And, uh, I can't read like, uh, I don't know. I can't read about how America has ruined the whole world through our foreign policy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I did some, I did some writing over the past couple of days too. I like finished two chapters of, uh, things I was working on. I wrote an essay that I'm going to try to put out there. Um, and I wrote, a, a ch- I finished a chapter of my book and like, you know, I I immediately felt better like finishing something creative. It was like a big boost in my mood. And, you know, I like, I also, I want to like kind of not, um, you know, go like too hard on that because I think for some people like, there can it can feel like there's a ton of pressure to like use this time like you know the most uh productively that you possibly can and like you know what like yeah you know if you're listening to this podcast uh you're probably a socialist and you probably don't see your own worth uh surely in terms of your productivity uh so i would say do what you need to do to um be seen and as happy as you can um you know and for me it helps to make art and to have a little bit of a routine, um, you know, but for some people it might be like literally just watching TV and I don't know. I think it's, I think it's your own damn business. I did feel better too uh, when I uh, did do a little volunteering for uh, Lauren's campaign, who we talked to later in the show. That that was a good little boost. And um, I did a virtual comedy show too. And oh, that made me fun. feel a little bit better but you know this is a psychologically trying time you know especially with like the kind of uncertainty of like when will it end and like it's kind of being in what feels like an entirely new world now you know yeah it's um i have very few words to describe because there is there's just like no reference point for what we're what we're dealing with um right now and it is I don't know. I've been, I also feel that the emphasis on using this time productively, quote unquote, is kind of toxic. And, um, 
it feels more like that like rise and grind bullshit that I hate anyways. Um, you know, this is a really deeply sad time. And the like I find it difficult to concentrate on like work tasks uh for my job. Like the idea that I can pour even more out in like into creativity. That's a tall order. I don't know. I just think that like people need to go at their own pace and people need to be nice to themselves if they don't feel like, you know, you shouldn't feel one more reason to feel badly about yourself. Oh yeah. I completely agree. It's Um, so kooky. I just, I'm just watching a lot of the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. Uh, I watched, uh, I watched, um, have you seen the show Tiger King? This documentary on Netflix? No, I have not. My roommates are literally watching it right now in the next room, um, which is so funny. But um, I know what it's about, and I think that I would get too sad if I watched it. Um, And my dad famously loves big cats Um, for Christmas. I, like, adopted a tiger for him from the World Wildlife Foundation. He, like, loves tigers. and. I told him about this documentary and he looked it up and looked up what it's about. And for those of you who don't know, I think it's about people who own big cats in like dom- kind of domestically, like they own them um, for like personal pleasure or whatever. And um, as personal pets and well, yeah, I mean, no, I, I think like, so I've seen a couple episodes of this and I, I, it seems like so ethically complicated that i don't even want to like opine on it at all but there's one lady that's like so far that's running like a animal like theoretically a rescue but she has some kind of issues with that and then there's two guys who are doing these like kind of like for-profit breeding and zoos thing so it's not even just pets it's like uh it's it's way beyond that oh yeah i mean there's like a whole there's like a whole like network like kind of like black market network of these exotic pets exotic animals being kind of bought and sold um but anyways my dad uh just reading about just reading the synopsis of what it's about my dad was infuriated (laughs) um he loves big cats what can i say yeah no absolutely i mean i i i've watched like a couple episodes of it and i i I, you know i would be lying if i said that it wasn't um, really cute to see all the baby tigers. Oh yeah, um, of course they're so cute. It, it is, it is adorable. But I, I also understand that you know, it's a very ethically complicated thing, which I need to learn more about. You know, um, something that came out right now while we're recording uh, is from Ryan Grimm. Uh, Times Up said it could not fund a Me Too allegation against Joe Biden, citing its nonprofit status and his presidential run so um there's definitely this piece uh in the in the intercept um tara reed um has a you know she she went to times up um she worked for joe biden and um you know uh he she you know ended up like at that time filing a, a harassment complaint um with uh the senate office i think and you know he was inappropriately touching her and this piece kind of goes into, uh, you know, her, um, 
kind of trying to take action and get her story out and being uh, shut down along the way by a bunch of different power structures. So I would definitely recommend giving that a read uh, if you have the emotional bandwidth for it, um, which I absolutely think that's, you know... Oh, Harvey Weinstein has the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. That's a silver lining. And yeah. uh, Is it the coronavirus or coronavirus? Did we do we know? Oh, I don't know. I don't care. Um, Yeah. uh, I but uh, as does Rand Paul. And uh, (laughs) there was a really funny New York Post headline that said uh, Mitt Romney in self-isolation after exposure to Rand Paul. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which just makes it sound like Rand Paul is a disease, which he is absolutely as a person. He is a disease. Um, but yeah, <sighs> what a strange time. Um, I think, uh, yeah, there's still been, uh, I, the, the number of cases of, of young people, uh, contracting the virus has, has increased and it's become pretty visible. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, everyone stay safe out there. Stay, stay six feet away. Um, social distance, social, social distance, call your loved ones, uh, try to, you know, FaceTime with, with friends and family as much as you can. Uh, it really is like kind of the only thing that makes me feel better besides, walking <laughs> yeah well call me up anytime yeah you know guess what i will um yeah no please do it um yeah but it's uh i don't know i i, I i've been uh reading a lot of the messages that we got on our uh our patreon and uh you you guys have been and, and even in our, our dms and and on the different tweets that we've, we've gotten about the show. And I just want to, I just want to say that I'm like very grateful to everyone who listens to the show. Um, and, uh, I really like, especially right now, I just really, I really appreciate all of you. And, uh, I hope everybody's staying safe and, um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, you know, uh, if you are in a position where you have five bucks a month, we are, uh, making a, a bonus episode every week that's just for patrons now um you know if you don't have five bucks a month we totally understand uh you know Absolutely. we may hope you know we may be unlocking some of those episodes at some point where you know we we get it like everyone's in a messed up situation we are um you know comedians who have lost a uh meaningful percentage of our income yeah um so if you do have five bucks it would be Amazing if you became a patron. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Up next, we have, uh, I think, a really useful conversation with Lauren Ashcraft about um, resources that might be available to you during this time and you know, also what a compassionate government response would look like. Uh, you know, we didn't even talk about that Joe Biden live stream, but holy moly. <laughs> It's so bad. Um, Anyway, 
Uh, oh yeah, where he's oh my god! I well, I didn't watch it. I did see. I I mean, I sort I I didn't. I certainly didn't watch the whole thing. I did see that it was very clearly in front of a green screen for some reason. I don't know. Oh why. yeah, absolutely. And he was wearing the same outfit that he did last week, which was honestly, in my opinion, pretty relatable. Um, but everything else about it was bad. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you so much, and uh, enjoy this talk with Lauren Ashcraft. Bye. Welcome back to the show. We're very excited uh, to have a guest on remotely, of course, uh, in this very strange time. Uh, uh, I think our second only uh, return guest, a fan favorite. (laughs) She's running for Congress in New York's 12th district. It's Lauren Ashcraft, everybody. Welcome, Lauren. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm really honored to be a return guest and uh, just really happy to be speaking with you guys. Oh, we, we're so excited. Um, so, h- how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? We're doing pretty well. I, I have a lot of concern about where we're headed um, generally and do not see the type of leadership that we absolutely need very urgently from the federal government. So uh, it's it's really just, it's unfortunate, but it's highlighting exactly why we need to have people-powered representatives in office really fighting for us because, you know, we had senators that sold off their stocks and profited from all of this, and we have a president who is... Who the heck knows? Say, saying from one day to the next, um, you know, today he's posting that we should wash our hands. But yesterday he was saying that we should get back to work really quickly. So it's just, I have a lot of concern about the lives of people in this country. And I have concern about if we aren't willing to spend the money right now and make sure that um, people are elevated and cared for during this time, then we will have a crisis that's even worse than we're facing right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think for myself, I was really getting there. I think emotionally I was feeling like, oh my gosh, how are we going to stay in our house for months and months? But now it's like, the the discourse has switched to like, well, what if we just end it right now and uh, everyone just goes back to work like nothing happened. And like, that's terrifying. That's so much more terrifying than staying in your house. Yeah, completely. Ab- absolutely. And it's like, we might be fine. We're young women that probably have fine immune systems. But if we're walking around carrying the virus and exposing people, we might be killing people. And I think that's what I don't, I don't see that kind of worry or concern for our fellow, you know, people who live in this country. I don't see that at all from the administration. It's very scary. Yeah, I mean, today the Lieutenant Governor of Texas was on TV saying, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of grandparents would want to die to save the economy for their grandchildren. Right. It's so fucked up. Right. I, yeah, I don't I, understand that. I saw a couple manga people saying that they were willing to die for the economy. And I'm like, why are you willing to die for the profits of Wall Street? I don't I get know. it. And if you listen to actual economists, they're saying what needs to happen is that people stay home. 
and we bail out the people and and we're going to come out on the other side but we need to respect the fact that if we're going outside and interacting with each other we could be killing people and the more that we spread this virus right now the worse everything's going to get including the economy yeah it's really i i mean We've been saying for years, like a lot of us have been saying for years, kind of almost, um, you know, in a tongue in cheek way that like the Republican Party is a death cult. (laughs) And uh, and I think that that's uh, showing itself to be more and more true with each passing day that this goes on. Um, I saw it. We're recording this on Tuesday, the March 24th. And uh, yeah, as uh, as Lauren alluded to, President Trump said that he wants the the economy and everybody going back to work, rearing up and ready to go by Easter, um, which is when, which is uh, April. I actually don't know off the top of my head. April 12th, (laughs) April 12th, which is ridiculous, obviously, and that um, completely contradicts what every single health expert and uh, epidemiologist is uh, suggesting. Um, So basically, people, you know, the the free market capitalists of the world uh, took them about one week to have a full-on freak out and realize that they, uh, they can't do without our labor. Um, so it's, it's a really, I mean, obviously Trump is a fucking idiot and he's handling this so irresponsibly. And I think, um, I think that's actually given rise to a lot of, I think, overwrought praise of our governor, Andrew Cuomo. Mm. Um, and... it's so gross. People think he's fucking hot now, which is absolutely which is disgusting. Objectively not true. <laughs> People, <no. laughs> everyone needs to fucking go take a cold shower and calm down and talk to anyone who's been involved in New York politics for longer than like two weeks. And Andrew Cuomo, like I understand it, it just to me, it shows um, the fact that we are starving for any sort of competent leadership to the point that like Andrew Cuomo looks like an absolute savior. It's just like um, he this... can string together words and make sentences. And it's like, oh my gosh, he's a like a an adult. Yeah. And he's yeah, like Yeah, I mean, and he's, you know, he's doing some some obvious and necessary stuff like demanding uh from the federal government more ventilators and stuff. And you know, of course, we do need that, but I mean that's really you know, that would be the bare minimum and it shouldn't have to happen in the first place. Uh, get, you know, taking care of uh, the most basic human needs of your constituents um, that shouldn't make you daddy, you know? <laughs> I'm also stuck on like the that Donald Trump was arbitrarily choosing Easter as the day that people should go out and get exposed to a deadly virus. And... um as a comedian, as someone, yeah, I mean, as like, someone who was raised Catholic, very biblical, that we would all uh, expose ourselves to a plague on the day of uh, the Lord's resurrection. 
I also like to come like every once in a while, whenever the far right references like Jesus stuff, I just like to imagine like Jesus actually responding to this and he'd be like, please don't. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's very, it's very true. Um, Andrew Cuomo, it's, I think, you know, from what I've seen on social media, if that's any indication, I think that there are some people who are kind of trying to dispel the idea that he's really, um, that that he's doing such a great job because what happened in New York state was that almost immediately when the coronavirus outbreak uh, occurred and it, it was apparent that people were going to lose their jobs and have to work from home indefinitely. Um, there was a uh, a moratorium on mortgage payments, I believe. And um, there was an eviction moratorium for renters, but renters have received, renters are the majority of New York State rent residents. Um, most New Yorkers are renters and there has been no such reprieve given to renters and rent is due in a week. And, um, 530,000 people have, uh, applied for unemployment in the past few weeks, uh, in New York state. And basically you have an entire state worth of people almost who are unable to pay rent but there's been no consideration made for renters by the governor. It's it's insulting knowing that like mortgages have been frozen. Mm-hmm. But I think about my district, New York's 12th congressional district, 70.7% of people are renters. So it's just kind of a slap in the face to everyone who can't afford to own their property right now. And it's just the same thing over and over from the federal government, from Cuomo, from uh, from so many different leaders that we should be getting help and assistance and compassion from. But it's just repetitive punishment for not having millions of dollars. <laughs> and um, another thing that Cuomo is doing right now is making cuts to Medicaid and I don't see how, if you know that, like, I don't understand praising what he's doing right now, because amidst um, the coronavirus outbreak, which is a very, very deadly pandemic affecting each and every one of us in some way, making cuts to Medicaid so that people can't afford to get the treatment or testing that they need is very dangerous. Yeah, Lauren, as someone who may be more familiar with, uh, um, you know, the bureaucracy in New York as, you know, than we might be like, you know, given the system is what it is right now and hopefully it changes really soon. Are there any uh, resources that people can be aware of uh, or workarounds that, you know, people might be able to that might be useful? I mean, given that we know that it's like, you know, really horrible and needs to be uh, completely changed is is there anything that might be useful for people to know right now yeah absolutely one of the things that i'm really excited about is that um 
a lot of the other congressional campaigns are putting together resources and and um, aid in some way um, from their campaign, but um, not as like a campaign tool, but to actually just help their communities. So I know Mel Gagarin, who's running in New York's 6th Congressional District, um, is working with with um, food distributors and, and food banks to make sure that anybody who's um, worried about getting the food they need at this time in his community is getting that help. And I know that um, my campaign, for example, um, we have a resource that I would love to share um, that... If you go on there, it just has links to all the different kinds of help that you could need at this point in time, like how to file for unemployment, seeking therapists, um, because this is a time that's really exacerbating. I know I have anxiety. A lot of people on my campaign are, are navigating depression um, through social distancing right now. And um, there's so many different kinds of help that people could need. Uh, seeking help for domestic violence, which a lot of people who aren't able to leave their homes right now are very worried about. Um, and also just if you need help picking up your groceries or getting your medicine in New York's 12th Congressional District, um, also come to us and, and my volunteers will help. So there's a lot going on across the city. Um, a lot of different nonprofits I know um, Middle Collegiate Church, which uh, which I'm also very involved in, is uh, making sure that people have the help that they need if you reach out to the church as well. And a lot of those types of um, nonprofit or religious affiliated organizations, political campaigns, um, a lot of different people and networks are here to support you where the government is not. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and before we talk just a little bit more about that, um, you know, I know, Julia, you also know a lot about this subject. Um, are there things that, you know, renters can be doing right now to protect themselves uh, for folks who are in a situation where they will not be able to pay rent April 1st? Um, what, what, if anything, um, can folks be doing to you know, protect themselves from eviction or future eviction. I don't know any, I don't know that much about this stuff, but it's been on my mind because <laughs> I know many people who are in that situation. Yeah. I mean, um, one of my friends, uh, not a, both she and her, her roommate lost their jobs. They're both in the service industry. And not only is their landlord not working with them, uh, to deal with that, he is raising their rent this month. So, um, people are definitely, and, and that's so interesting because if, if he owns the building, then theoretically he's been given a mortgage suspension, um, <laughs> a mortgage yeah. freeze. So, um, so basically the, uh, housing justice for all coalition in New York state, um, has created a petition, um, related to a response to COVID-19, um, asking Cuomo to, suspend rent and house the homeless. Um, currently there are, um, over 45,000 signatures. We're hoping to get over 51,000. Um, and I will put a link to it in our show notes. Um, if anyone is in New York and wants to, um, wants to sign it, 
Um, another thing if you're not can- in New York, there might be something similar in your own city, too. I've seen something like that going around for Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I would say, unfortunately, a lot of the things that I would that I would normally suggest uh, would be, you know, calling your reps and asking or calling the governor's office, asking him to uh, to sign it, asking him to create a plan that alleviates the burden on renters, because so many half of New Yorkers are already rent burdened. They're already spending over half their income on rent. Um, but also, um, yeah, plugging into different mutual aid, um, networks in your area. Um, but right now, yeah, the most pressing, it basically internally in, uh, in my organizing committee for, uh, DSA housing, we're really trying to get an April 1st to get this done by April 1st, get this signed by April 1st, more likely it's going to be May 1st. Um, but that is, you know, right now it's just, it's so pressing that again, it's, it's kind of hard to overstate how many renters are now out of jobs. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think talking to your local officials, uh, is really important, even though it feels like the last thing a lot of people want to do right now. I understand. I completely understand that. Um, but people have to know that, you know, the people who we elected have to know that like, we're angry and, um, that they have to do something to represent us, which is what they were elected to do. Yeah. I mean, even like, I was seeing, you know, there's all these people out of jobs and then there's situations like I'm in right now where, you know, luckily uh, I still have some other work besides stand up that can help me cover the rent. But, you know, one of my roommates just moved back to California due to the coronavirus. Mm. She wants to be with her family. Another one, you know, is kind of deciding her plans. But, you know, she's been her work has been eliminated by the virus. And so, you know, even for so many of us, I think, live with other people in New York and like, you know, even folks who may still have some income right now could very possibly be living with someone that doesn't, you know, and it's like, I think in most leases, everybody's responsible for the entire rent. So it's like, who knows what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. I actually, um, I was just like pulling up my list of mutual aids in New York City. City Limits actually has, um, uh, a list of mutual aid networks throughout New York City, and it goes by neighborhood. So I can send you that list um, just so you have it. And also it looks like um, DSA, New York City DSA has um, a mutual aid fund that they're collecting money for. And I think it looks like there's a call later today to figure out exactly how to use that. So um, just from what I'm reading online. So there's a lot of different nonprofits and um, like community organizations that are coming together in this time. And um, it's sad that it has to be that way because I wish the government just kind of proactively took care of their constituents. But it is really heartwarming to see that so many groups are coming together and fighting for their neighbors. Absolutely. Um, Can you talk a little bit about 
what mutual aid is for folks who are just becoming introduced to that concept and also why it's important at a time like this? Yeah, mutual aid, it's, um, it is really just people coming together and filling in like where the government is not. So it's uh, people working with organizations or other groups in their community right now for things like getting people the food that they need, um, getting people the medication that they need, um, making sure that nobody is, is kind of falling through the cracks and starving or dying if they, you know, if we can help it. So unfortunately, there there are some huge gaps that the government is is leaving us to handle in this way. And that is really where these community groups really, really matter. So hopefully in the future, it's not this necessary. And we have leaders that push for real social safety nets and things like Medicare for all. So people can just go to the doctor and get the prescriptions they need to survive and not have to worry about the cost and things like a jobs guarantee that would answer people's questions about what comes after this. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, like Julia, Julia was talking about, we're still just waiting on what's going to happen when all of our rents are due next week. And we don't have that answer right now. And that is where mutual aid networks can come in you know, if there are funds that people have been collecting money for, um, it's possible that some of that fund could be used to make sure you're not evicted. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, I do have the number for the tenants' rights hotline in New York State, so I'll put that in the in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, mutual aid has been the concept of mutual aid has been around for over a hundred years. Um, I know that there are some of our listeners because they write me long Twitter DMs who are really interested in the like um, in the kind of Marxist literature side or like leftist literature side of these things. So I'll just give you all a shout out right now. Um, mutual the concept of mutual aid was uh, created by Peter uh, Kropotkin, who was a Russian. Uh, anarchist communist and he wrote um a book or, or a collection of essays called mutual aid a factor of evolution in 1902 and this was a direct response to the kind of um overwhelming ubiquity of social darwinism in academic thought in the day the kind of ind rugged individualism survival of the fittest and basically, this collection of essays by Kropotkin was a kind of like scientific debunking of social Darwinism, basically saying that there are so many species in the animal kingdom that already practice mutual aid, and they are better able to adapt to their environment because they work together. Um, so all you... All you reply guys in my, my DMs saying that I never talk about theory... That one's for you. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, as as Lauren was saying, um, when we think of mutual aid, a lot of times we think of like the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy, when, you know, the in the absence of state action, people out of necessity have to work together. 
you know, you saw like free medical clinics popping up and um, kind of food banks popping up um, kind of ad hoc uh, all over the place. Um, right now, uh, as, as Lauren said, DSA has a mutual aid network. Um, there is a grocery fund, uh, to provide direct aid and support to local communities, uh, in New York, uh, affected by coronavirus. Um, there's, it's basically a direct response to the inadequacy of our, official state aid that we're getting. Um, and it's really important in a, in a time like this. And, uh, I wish it, you know, I, I, I wish the government were doing a better job, but, uh, in the absence of that, um, this is, there is a, a great necessity for, for mutual aid networks. And why is, how is that different than, you know, just kind of regular people donating to each other? Like, and what are the kind of distinctions of what would make something mutual aid versus, I don't know, let's say, you know, just people sending each other money? Well, I mean, because I think that's more of like an individual, on an individual basis, um, mutual aid is more, it's like cooperation for the sake of the common good. So it's, um, you know, it's two or more people, but it, it is for, again, it's for a a collective purpose rather than kind of like an individual purpose, I guess. It's like, instead of sending one person money, it's pooling all your money and that you would send to individuals instead and, um, putting that money towards the aid of the group. Yeah. There's been some really like, you know, there's been some really inspiring stuff that I've seen people do. I've seen people, you know, kind of informally um, taking care of, you know, other people's reaching out to take care of other people's kids, if possible, or delivering groceries to the older folks, like leaving stuff outside their door. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that this is really the time to put solidarity in action uh where you can you know um it's it's tough right because it's like everybody is stretched pretty thin right now it's it's i mean not everyone and there's plenty of folks with plenty of money but you know it's just on the one hand i'm so um inspired and touched to see you know my friends who are broke comedians um donating to uh broke bartenders you know but on the other hand it's like Oh my gosh, it's just, I can't believe we're doing this when there's so many people with billions of dollars, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And did you see that um, Jeff Bezos was asking for donations to fund his employees' paid sick leave? I love that. He's so disgusting. I did see that. I can't wait to expropriate his wealth. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Jeff Bezos is personally making so much money off of this crisis. I know. Like, this is, this, I mean, he has got to be in his house, like, every day, like, doing a little song and dance about how great this is for Amazon. Yeah. And probably not just right now, probably permanently, because there are going to be, you know, I mean, brick and mortar stores have been struggling for a while, but, I mean, a lot of them probably are not going to open back up after this, and, uh, 
Jeff fucking Bezos is Jeff gonna be fucking stoked. Bezos. Fuck yeah. you, Jeff Bezos. Fuck you. Yeah, he's got to be one of the most horrible people in the entire world. Can you I mean, ima- I, can you just imagine being the wealthiest person in the whole world and asking for donations during the coronavirus outbreak? Like, no, it's disgusting. And Amazon, I think Amazon workers, you know, um, at least in some warehouses, uh, have been asked to continue working. Although uh, somebody in the, I think somebody in the warehouse tested positive for the virus, yes. and uh, and the workers wanted to go home, and Amazon said no. And I think they, I think that they all did eventually through. Or were they unionized? I don't know. No, 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 no. Jeff Bezos is a notorious union killer. And uh, and also he barely pays his employees a living wage, like his warehouse employees anyways, a living wage to begin with. There was a study that came out a few years ago that said the majority of Amazon warehouse workers in Ohio qualified for food stamps. Yeah, I remember. And then Bernie Sanders got him to, you know, raise the the wage i think to 15 dollars an hour but oh. i know they're notoriously extremely abusive yeah i mean I, I i that's just a a guy who is uniquely evil and uh doesn't pay his fucking taxes and <laughs> well i mean i guess that's because for whatever reason the government doesn't make him but yeah we got to do a drag his ass jeff bezos oh, pretty soon oh <laughs> with pleasure with pleasure yeah. Well, okay. So, you know, while we have you for just a couple more minutes, Lauren, um, is, yeah, uh, I guess, is there anything else that it would be good for listeners to be aware of for ways that they, uh, may help themselves and or others during this time? Yeah. I just want to, um, I know Julia that you mentioned this earlier, but one of the things we can continue to do is keep calling our leaders and, and pushing them to do the right thing. Ideally, our leaders will do the right thing without us asking. That's not always the case as, as we're seeing right now. But what we really need is cash assistance right now. And I know one of the things I'm calling for is $2,000 per person, period, for each month until one year after this crisis ends. And... Yes, we can pay for it. I just released a video about how. And if we don't do something like that, that's when the economy will get a whole lot worse. So, yes, $2,000 per month per person, cash assistance. Uh, We do need single-payer Medicare for all. And I know um, New York State is also um, trying to pass something similar really hoping that Cuomo does the right thing on that and we should be calling for him to do so. Getting the health care that we need at this point in time is not something that we should be worried about getting a lifetime worth of debt because we, we sought the medical care that we need. It's, it's just ridiculous. Another thing we should be doing is abolishing student debt federally and not just the federal loans, but all loans, including private. And... This is not the time that somebody should be worried about paying off the education that's allowing them to have the job that they probably don't have right now because of coronavirus. So it's just a terrible cycle. We need to make sure that we're putting an end to the cycle rather than allowing it to get worse. 
And also, as we spoke about before, we need a freeze on all debts that are owed right now, such as rents, mortgages. Yes, fine. Even though um, I'm, I'm just really hoping that New York State cares about renters as well. But I'm talking federally. We need a freeze on rent, mortgages, car payments, you know, debt repayment, credit card debt repayment. Stop all the debt collectors, put a hold on credit scores, and just make it so that people who aren't able to pay their bills right now are not negatively affected, not evicted, and don't have the, their utilities shut off at this time. And we just really need um, leaders that are pushing for all of these things right now instead of kind of twiddling their thumbs and waiting for some bill to sign their name to. We need conversation starters, advocates, and fighters. Amen. Could not agree more. Um, and, you know, again, uh, listeners, please uh, consider uh, checking out Lauren's campaign, donating, volunteering from home if you have resources right now, uh, or, you know, voting for Lauren in uh, April, right? Oh, so, um, yeah. June 23rd is, is uh, our election. It's not the same day. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But thank you. Still vote in April in the presidential primary. But um, yeah, June 23rd is my election. My website is laurenashcraft.com. And you can find me on all the social medias at Vote Ashcraft, including most recently Twitch, which is how I'm doing a lot of uh, meet and greets and social distancing, socializing. So definitely check us out. And if you do have the means right now, um, still making sure that we can pay our working class um, employees at this point in time. So every single dollar that we get, even if it's just a dollar, makes a huge difference for us. And um, we really do need those leaders that are fighting for us. And I'm really proud to be helping the community in every way that I can. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. You rock, Lauren. <laughs> we we love talking to you, and we uh, we can't wait to get you elected. Oh, you yes, you guys rock too. I love being back on. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is yours.